Hey guys, so this is Lucia Mies, and I'm creating this podcast in the hope of clarifying a lot of questions I had as someone who ended up going to investment banking. So first, I'm going to talk a little bit about my background and how I ended up in this field. So I'm originally the form of a small town in Brazil called Blumenau. Blumenau is mostly uh, dominated by German immigrants, and when I was 10 years old, due to personal reasons, I ended up moving to Florianopolis. So in case you don't know, Florianopolis is a huge tech hub in Brazil. Like, huge as in, like, you grow up wanting to be a tech entrepreneur. Your parents are tech entrepreneurs. Everyone you hang out with is a tech entrepreneur, and schools really prepare you to go into computer science. And somehow I never felt like I really belonged there. I felt like there was something missing, that I was more into dealing with people and making businesses happen. So I just decided to apply to school in the United States. Uh, so th- just so that you know, no one from my state had ever, ever, ever thought about applying to the States. Or if they had thought about it, they just were not able to secure a position in a top university abroad. I ended up going to Duke. I mean, when I was applying, I just aimed for the top schools they could get into. Duke really seemed like a good school, you know, with a very decent basketball team. <laughs> so I thought it was a good shot for me, and I thought I could just uh, try my best and get in. And that's what happened. So I got to Duke and I started learning more and more about finance. And well, if you go to Duke, you know how big finance is in the school. Everyone, you know, is interested in going to finance. There's just this aura about it. Everyone's talking about it. Every single class you take, it relates in some way to the world of business. And everything you're learning is in a way or another trying to help you either create a business or improve the things you're doing already. So at Duke, like, as you see with time, most of the students end up getting involved with some sort of finance recruiting. Now, let me clarify something. Finance is a very broad topic. It can involve things since working from a big, cor- like big corporation such as Amazon or YouTube or Google in the case, or it can involve something like working in investment banking or working as a sales and trading person. Just so that we know the difference. Working in finance in New York City at a bulge bracket bank, which is one of those big banks that offers a full suite of services to its clients, sometimes not commercial banking, but most specifically investment banking, is very different than working in a huge corporation. The work I was doing this summer was working in investment banking, not working for a huge corporation. And as I'm later going to explain, there's a very big difference between those. I was crazy enough, I guess, to apply to work jobs in investment banking. And guys, back at Duke, I was an engineer. I had virtually no involvement with extracurriculars in finance. And everything I knew how to do was to build robots and maybe write code that worked and created something cool out of it. You know, how did I even expect to get a job in finance? So I essentially gave up going to my junior year. I had recruited for a couple of finance firms and no success. So I decided it was better to try my shot in consulting firms or perhaps tech. I was successful at those both, but something was still missing. Although I was really good at what I was doing in school in terms of engineering, I never really identified with it, and I thought I could just try something else. Which is when I was lucky and I ended up recruiting for fintech. Just to have a little background here, so fintech is when you mix finance with technology. This is not ideal. As someone who had always been passionate about business but had talented technology, that seemed like the career I should be following. But here's the thing. Right when I got an offer in my dream firm, mixing finance and technology, one of the best investment banks in the world, one of the biggest ones, reaches out to me and asks if I want to interview. Of course I said yes. It was a no-brainer at that point. I had never thought I was going to be able to get an interview with such firms, and, you know, them reaching out to me for me to interview with them was a next level that I was just not expecting. So there I went. 
going to New York City for my third time that year, interviewing for another finance firm. I didn't have much expectations of getting an offer, but I knew I was going to do my best. And that's what I did. I essentially pulled on the ladder the night before my interview, trying to learn as much as I could about the finance industry. And as I recently found out, I had not done well at all on my previous phone interviews. Based on my phone interviews, I should not have gotten a super day, meaning like the last interview you have before you get an offer. I should have just been stopped there after having proven that I just did not have enough finance knowledge. But one of the very senior people in my team just saw something on my resume that showed that I had the drive, the passion, and the capabilities to learn whatever I set my mind to, which I think is true. So in that way, he, gave, he was the person who gave me a chance and the first one of the people I work the closest with nowadays. So he gave me a shot and called me in for a last round interview in New York City. That was in September 2018. So I go to New York City, have my interview, and after pulling a ladder to study for it, I absolutely crush it. I did so well that I was offered a spot in the firm the very first day. And I signed my offer nearly the time I got it. Suddenly, I was going to become an investment banker. Suddenly, I was going to New York City. And everything I thought I was not able to ever do was just suddenly all of us just suddenly becoming reality. I could not be happier. But wait, what does an investment banker do? As an investment banker, you pretty much help other firms decide what to do with their monies. So imagine you have very like two very rich people getting married, okay? Obviously, you want to know their backgrounds. You want to know where they came from. You want to know what they're going to look like in the future, what their fortunes are going to be like. You want to know what exactly they do with their lives, if they, what they're into. You, know, you want to get them to know them the best they can. And of course, if you're getting a marriage between two rich people, a lot of stuff will go wrong in the way. Naturally, you're going to have a couple meetings or dates. You will get to know their parents. You know, Just get the most information you can about the other side. So what an investment bank does, and as an investment banker, what you do is do the same thing. But instead of having two people getting married, you have two companies. They're either merging together or one of them is acquiring the other, or you're just selling the company you're working for. It's a really, really intense job and one that you don't get to do anywhere else in the industry. So that covers part one. Now you guys know how I got where I am. Now you guys have an idea of what investment banking is. But where am I working? So in investment banking, you have two types of banks. You have the elite boutiques and you have the bulge bracket banks. Elite boutiques are banks that focus on a more specific set of services from the bulge bracket bank. Usually elite boutiques are going to focus on mergers and acquisitions, which is exactly what I was just talking about, where you focus on making this very rich marriages happen. And wait, we just got a question. So Matthew just sent me a question. Um, what do elite boutiques do? Yes, Matthew, that is a great question. So elite boutiques do something similar to investment banks. The difference is that they're very focused on one field, right? And then bulge bracket banks offer all the setup services. So the companies I decided to work, the company I decided to work for was a bulge bracket bank because I felt like I could get more exposure to like a more variety set of services, which I thought was ideal for my internship. But like you can get a very similar experience working for like boutique differences. You're not going to be exposed to as many products, but you're also going to get a broader exposure to this one product you're working with. So it really is a matter of personal preference. OK, so let's now move to our second question. Um, Joanna sent us a question. Joanna wants to know what was the main challenge that I faced coming from an engineering background? Joanna, that is a very good question. The main challenge you face, I think, 
coming from an engineering background was just starting the job with no finance experience. Um, for those of you who don't know, I actually missed four weeks of my internship due to visit issues. It was completely out of my control. I had, I could not have done anything differently to have started work on time. I was just unlucky in the way that this year UCIS has taken longer than usual to process our uh, work authorization applications. And I was fortunate enough to not lose my offer, even though it was just days away from that happening. So I got to the job without having any sort of like previous training. And coming from an engineering background, you can guess that that just made everything worse. <laughs> yeah, so imagine like someone coming from an engineering background, which has nothing to do with investment banking, just suddenly being thrown into the pit in a way. You're just suddenly expected to know everything. You're expected to perform as well as everyone else is. And that was definitely one of the biggest challenges I faced. Uh, okay, let's move to our next question. Ju uh, is asking how I've liked my internship so far and if, whether or not I should come back or if I want to come back. Honestly, uh, investment making is not for a lot of people. It is a very, very stressful profession. You but like essentially you are in the service of the firm you're working for for a full two years, especially as an intern, uh, you won't have much time to do anything else but work. So unless you really, really like what you're doing, it's just not for you. I went into investment making thinking that I was crazy enough to like it in a way. And I was always super curious about it. Right. And I definitely know it was the best decision now. And I'm going to explain why. Um, so there are very, very few industries out there that provide the same level of uh, the same fast paced environment that investment making does, correct? Investment making just puts you at the edge of your seat 24-7. It forces you to do things you never thought you could. And let me be honest, during the past two weeks, I essentially did not sleep. I was not at work for four hours a day max, meaning that I was working 20 hours a day, which is something pretty much inhuman and something unheard of. But some something still got me going and the thrill of being able to finish things on time and to deliver things in high quality just kept me pushing through and kept me going and the feeling you get when you finally turn in the assignment you finally turn in the project when you close the deal it's just something i cannot even put into words um i do know though that the most successful people that i've seen in investment banking are those who truly love what they're doing you, it's just, this is definitely a job you can do even though you don't love it, but you are not going to be great at it if it's not your passion. So if it's something you don't want to do, then, well, find something else, I guess. Uh, okay, one question for Ellen from Ellen. How did I know that investment making was something that I was passionate about? I didn't. I went into the job not knowing that this is like was what I wanted to do. I was actually really scared before I started because I thought that um, it would be too much. I thought that I just didn't have enough background and I thought that maybe I was not going to be doing any meaningful work that I wanted to do out of school. Um, a lot of the things we hear about resume making actually myths. Like, yes, we do work a lot of hours, but it really depends on the group. Mine is specifically brutal, like working 90 hours a week is the average, but most groups are not going to work too longer than 75 hours a week. And although I knew that, yes, you work a lot, I had also heard that most of the times during your first few months or your first years, you're not working on anything really meaningful. You're just like doing presentations and like submitting like work that doesn't require much critical thought. The experience I had in banking was the exact opposite, actually. Like, sure, sometimes I have to do tasks that did not involve much critical thinking or much creativity. But most of the times I was asked my input into the work I was doing, which I thought was really cool. 
And I only knew that this is what I really wanted to do, I guess, over the past two weeks. Uh, these, those, these were the weeks where I got challenged the most and what I think I learned the most. So definitely, I mean, it's not something you can know. You only know it when you finally start working. All right, I think we got one last question. Uh, this is also from Ellen. What is the biggest thing you've learned this summer in investment banking? That is a great question. I don't think there is a single thing I learned that was specifically mind-blowing. I think it's more of a work ethic perspective. There are, I don't think there is another job out there that forces you to work as much as investment banking does and I guess to survive such levels of stress compared to investment banking. You will, like, 24-7, you will be on demand, essentially. Like, the clients might want something, and you might have to do it no matter what time it is. Uh, so it is a very demanding job for your first two years. And I think the biggest thing I've learned was just how to keep a good attitude no matter what happens. It could be 4 a.m. and someone was coming to me with more work to do. I would still do it gladly. I would thank them for thinking of me. I would be glad I was willing to contribute to my team. So that is definitely something that made my job stand out. And I think that made me really love what I was doing. All right. So I think that covers what I want to talk on, what I want to talk about on this podcast. I will finish by saying that I don't think there's a way for anyone to know what they really want to do after graduation just before they start working. I think we all should just, if there's something, I mean, for you, uh, they're listening to this. If there is something that you have curiosity about, but you haven't had time to really do, why not try it? I took it like it was a shot in the dark for me to go into investment banking. I never thought I would truly like enjoy it as much as I am enjoying it and be so proud to call myself an investment banker, to be so proud to work at the firm I'm working at. And uh, I am truly living the dream, but few people consider it to be the same way for them. So it really, it really is on a personal basis. And I think that if you don't take the risk like I did, you will never find out. So I just wanted to end this podcast on a uh, hopeful note, I guess. Um, just go get it. If there's something that you really want to do, just go do it. Related to that, we have one of my favorite quotes ever by Seneca saying that it is not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough. And a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements if it were all well invested. But when it is wasted in heedless luxury and spent on no good activity, we are forced at last by death's finite constraint to realize that it has passed away before we knew it to its passing. So it is. We are not given a short time, but we make it short. We are not ill-supplied, but wasteful of it. Life is long if you know how to use it. So this is a message for everyone listening to this. Just use your time well and do what you really want to do. Life is too short otherwise. Thank you for listening. I hope to see you on my next podcast. Reach out to me if you have any questions. I am more than happy to talk about my experiences. And on my next podcast, I'll be talking about how recruiting works and how exactly you can get a job in investment making too. Thank you.